put it on your Slack and people are very, very respectful of that one hour because what we were finding is that also you would take lunch, but you would kind of take Slack and your Gmail with you for lunch and you would still open it on your phone. And by making sure that people are actually respecting that one hour. And I think the biggest buy-in with this was getting the CEO to actually send the email out saying, take a quiet hour. You are listening to the Wellness Warrior at Work podcast by Hika. In this space, we share real, practical and eye-opening stories and advice from human-focused leaders who've put employee health at the center of their organizations. We discuss everything from engagement and motivation to mental and emotional health so that you have the tools and inspiration you need to make a real impact on your employees' well-being. So whether your challenge is getting leader buy-in, a low budget, or navigating a global crisis, this podcast will show you that you're not alone and that nurturing a culture where everyone is happy and healthy at work is possible. So let's get to work. Grab a pen and paper, find a comfy sofa, and let's start designing the wellness-focused culture you've dreamed about. This is the Wellness Warriors at Work podcast. Hi everyone and thank you for tuning in to another episode of Hika's Wellness Warriors at Work podcast. Perhaps you've been wondering what else you could possibly do to support the well-being of your employees. You may now offer weekly meditation, flexible hours and even an allowance for healthy snacks. So is there really anything left to add? We speak with heads of people and culture managers on a weekly basis and this is the question that comes up often. But the thing is, it's not really about the number of initiatives you have going on at a particular time. It is about the impact that these are having on your people's wellness and whether they are truly contributing to a human-focused culture. If you've ever felt stuck and like you don't know what else to do to support the well-being of your team, you're going to love this episode. Honestly, this may as well be your well-being plan for 2021. In today's interview, I am joined by Donna Hassett, People Manager at StreetBees, a global intelligence platform that reveals how people behave and why by analyzing real-life moments collected from users worldwide. Donna shares the ways in which StreetBees is supporting employee health and wellness and their future initiatives for this year. We discuss burnout and how companies can help to prevent it amongst their employees. We look at overcoming the mental health stigma at work and creating an environment where colleagues are mutually supportive. And if you stay with us till the very end, we'll also touch on the main obstacles that fast-growing startups can expect this year, as well as some practical ways to manage this. Thank you so much for joining us, Donna. It's great to have you in the show. Thanks so much for having me. It's great to be here. Perfect. Thank you. Um, so I actually wanted to start off by asking you to briefly explain what StreetBees does, because I've personally been looking into what you guys do, reading a lot, and I think it's fascinating. So I think it would be quite helpful to just set a context for the rest of the conversation. Yeah, sure. Um, I haven't I haven't explained what they do in such a long time. I have to kind of like take a step back because we've changed so much as a business. Um, you know, being a startup, I, I joined about two years ago and, and, you know, now we're up to 140 plus people and we were about 75 and, and we're growing. Actually, sorry, <laughs> I forgot about the US office. So we're probably about 
160 people by this stage. Um, so we are a business intelligence platform. So essentially um, what you just said was, was pretty much spot on. Um, we measure people's reaction um, to buying different products, mostly within the FMCG space. However, we are um, expanding to different verticals in the finance sector, um, et cetera. Um, and we have an app and basically people will give their feedback about um, you know, a product using the app. And it's almost like we use natural language processing. So it's almost like they're having a conversation with a real human being. And what we're finding is that people's data is then um, way more transparent than perhaps using traditional market research, which traditionally uses focus groups and, and you know, maybe going out in the street and talking to people, which we also still, we don't do focus groups, but we also still do go out in the streets every now and Well, we used to pre-COVID times. Um, so yeah, that's kind of us in an, in a nutshell. That sounds fabulous. No, honestly, and I that's what I loved about it. It sounded like such an interactive way of encouraging people to to you know like uh, share their insights and what they're doing in a day to day basis. So I really loved that. Um, and yeah, now into the wellness talk. So could you please share a bit about what are some ways in which StreetBees is supporting employee health and wellness and perhaps um, any new initiatives you have for 2021? Yeah, sure. So, I mean, we're, we're definitely supporting in ways that I think a lot of startups are doing at the moment. So, um, you know, as, as COVID was hitting, we put in an employee assistance program. Um, we have a cycle to work scheme, we have yoga, um, you know, we, we let people um, download um, the premium app of Calm, um, which is a meditation app, um, very much similar to Headspace. Um, and then we also have a mental health keeper, um, which is what is, is a person in the business. Her name is Savannah, and she is working very closely with me um, and with another group of really talented, wonderful people um, internally to develop different mental health initiatives for 2021. So she joined us at the back end of like kind of, I suppose, lockdown one, near the end of lockdown one um and and she is and I actually put up a post about mental health and then she really wants to get involved and so then she she kind of took it over but in the best way possible because in a standalone role I think it's really important that you have a support network of people um in your business who are going to be champions um I think some of the things that we've done um and some of the things that we're considering doing for 2021 one thing we've already done is introduce what we call a quiet hour um now this is different to the lunch hour you still get your lunch time but we found that a lot of people weren't actually taking lunch um you know and including myself and I would you know message people saying take your lunch um and not take it myself and I think it's very much a, a um, it's very typical of HR people to go, you know, care about everyone else and then just kind of forget to do it themselves. And you really, really have to lead from the front. Um, so quiet hour is, um, you know, an hour to do whatever you want during the day. And we found that, you know, this is especially important during the kind of winter and cold months, because obviously people like I don't like going running in the dark. I don't feel very safe, even though my area is a very safe area. I would definitely prefer to run during the daytime. Um, but there's some people that just, you know, especially the parents um, and of, of street bees. Um, and it was very much geared towards them as well to give them time to 
really take a step back and you you put it on your slack and people are very very respectful of that one hour because what we were finding is that also you would take lunch but you would kind of take slack and your gmail with you for lunch and you would still open it on your phone and by making sure that people are actually respecting that one hour and i think the biggest buy-in with this was getting the ceo to actually send the email out saying take a quiet hour because you know people managers and I'm, I'm so sure there's a lot of them nodding buys when I say this is like we will say all the time take take your lunch take your lunch take screen breaks and people are going yeah 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 because you know it's uh, you know the people managers saying it um but when it's coming directly from the top that's when it makes a big maneuver and I have noticed people in the business started to to use that really really small but very very impactful initiative um there's a lot of things going on at the top uh, at the moment with when it comes to the initiatives for 2021. Um, and I um, I definitely don't want to speak on Savannah's behalf. I know that she's working on quite a lot of things. And one of those main things is, is more of those type of things coming from the top down rather than from the bottom up. Because another thing that's happening across businesses, particularly in startups, when I speak to other um, HR people and people managers in, in startups, that they are having a really big issue trying to get the people at the top to really focus on mental health, including their own mental health, because they are struggling at the moment as well. Yeah, there are so many things I loved about what you just said. The quiet hour, like that is one of my favorites, definitely, because like you said, sometimes even if we have lunch in our calendar, because the focus of that hour or that activity is not take a rest. We just, you know, assume that we can, you know, we can always have lunch in front of our computers, right? It's the activity is specified there. But if we actually know that that is an hour away from, you know, our, our devices, work-related devices, then it's just much more calming. And like you said, it gives that permission for people to do it, especially if they see that leaders are doing it themselves. Um, and it actually reminds me, we also do something really similar at Hika. Uh, every Wednesday, we have a well-being afternoon. And like you said, it's like leave a bit earlier, like an hour earlier. And then everybody can just do something in relation to their wellness. Um, yeah, I love it. And so I wanted to actually dig in to something you said, because I thought it was quite interesting. Um, quite at the start of your response, you mentioned that you go through a process of coming with new well-being initiatives, uh, you and, and your team. So what, what does that entail? Do you ask uh, employees? Um, do you send a survey? How, how do you do it? So um, Streepies have this really unique thing that, and I would love to take credit for it, but it's actually um, a woman joined the business called Zara, um, and she, she's in the sales team. Um, and at the time, um, she brought forward an idea about this concept called Culture Champions. Um, and it's a group of people in the business. Now, it is about, um, I would say, 20 or 30 people that are actually within the the culture champions group but then we have you know um one two three six people 
um, that are what we call the main culture keepers. Um, and, you know, in a business of 140, when you have, you know, 30 or so people in part of one group, we find that we actually end up going to them for a lot of our ideas. So Savannah will come up with some type of mental health initiatives. She is the well-being and mental health keeper. Um, we have a diversity and inclusion keeper. And these are all uh, volunteers within the business. We also have a CSR keeper. Um, and an events keeper. And these are all people in the business that do not sit in the people team, they sit in other teams, which I think is absolutely instrumental for building a culture in the business, especially when it's remote. Um, and she will go with an idea to every all the culture champions. People will feedback on the Slack channel. It's not a lot of bureaucracy because I think like the thing that we have to remember is that these people also have their day-to-day -day jobs. And this is very much almost like a, a voluntary position within the organization. So she'll go to the culture champs and she'll put something forth. She'll also work with the culture keepers before um, doing that as well. So she'll she'll go to the culture keepers first and create this idea. She'll work with me very closely because she knows that I'm super passionate about mental health in, in the organization um, and mental health and work in general um, and then she will uh, go to the to the whole group and that's kind of how we how we run things and then following that she'll put um, a proposal together and she is the queen of doing that because she works in the team that does that anyway for for business purposes um, and then she'll work with our CPO Ollie um, as well who also gets involved in in developing some of the new um, mental health initiatives that are ongoing. That is fantastic. And I love the idea of having keepers just around um, the company because that really gives you the, the feedback you need in order to make decisions that actually will you know, benefit to the majority and be, be all inclusive. So I would definitely recommend to anybody listening to this to implement that into their own companies. Such a great idea. Um, and yeah, so you mentioned that obviously you are quite passionate about mental well-being and associated with that is burnout. So what are your thoughts on burnout? How can companies help to prevent it amongst their employees? And if there are any additional, well, you've mentioned a lot of what Street Beast does already, but if there are any specific measures to prevent burnout at Street Beast, then yeah, if you could share Yeah, that. I think burnout, burnout, like my opinion of burnout is that it's something that was always on the rise anyway, even prior to the pandemic and then the pandemic hit. And I honestly think it's a pandemic within a pandemic. Um, and I don't think that's too far to say. Um, burnout, I am incredibly passionate about the, the preventative measures and steps to take even when you hit burnout. Because I do think a lot of us, including myself, when you hit it, you don't even notice it. You have no idea that it is burnout. And you, you, um, you know, I, I'm assuming this is coming from my blog, but I, you know, the the blog when I when I wrote it, um, what I really wanted to put forth is that as someone that understands burnout and knows a lot about it and knows a lot about the symptoms of burnout, I'm definitely not a psychologist, but I definitely understand it from the people point of view um, that I didn't notice when I was hitting it. Um, and so, you know, it's about coming up with, as you said, preventative measures um, so that it, uh, you know, doesn't happen. 
with that being said, it still will because, you know, you can say to your red in the face, take screen breaks and make sure to exercise and eat healthily and, you know, make sure to get out for a walk, even if it's raining and, you know, try your best to go for, um, you know, if you're living on your own, try your best to have a bubble with some friends because, you know, there's some people that live on their own and, and don't have even a bubble of friends because maybe their friends live too far away. But the fact is that they they could potentially do that with maybe a work colleague. Um, you know, my, my partner drives, we could drive to someone if we wanted to, like we're lucky that we live together. But um, I think the main things that businesses can do um, is put in preventative measures in place. And one of those preventative measures is helping people understand burnout, what it is in the first place. Um, you know, one of the things we did, we've only done a little thing with this. We had, um, you know, a, a wellness workshop um, in January that was organized by Savannah. Um, and that and that had huge attendance. It was like 56 people that attended that workshop. And, you know, it wasn't mandatory. So, um, you know, that says quite a lot about how people are feeling at the moment. They felt like they needed to go and that they wanted to go ultimately as well, which was a very good thing. I, and I loved seeing the, the attendance right there. Um, you know, and, and we put together um, or I put together a, a, what I call a work from home Bible, um, which is basically, uh, you know, a thing on how to work from home productively and healthily. But also there's a there's a stance on there on what burnout is and the signs and symptoms and when you feel you're reaching it and who to talk to. And obviously promoting, um, you know, uh, the employee assistance program, if you have it, because I think communication is key. Um, especially in this remote environment, you need to be able to communicate everything um, that you have with everyone. If you're not communicating it, no one knows it's there and what's the point in it. Um, promoting breaks in the middle of the day. And this is something that needs to come from your manager. If people see that your manager, if people see their manager online at eight, nine o'clock, you would be surprised how much psychologically that impacts a person that is um, maybe quite junior. You know, I'm I'm not that junior. It doesn't really impact me that much anymore. But if I was, you know, 22 and saw my manager online at eight, nine o'clock at night, I'm going to think I need to do that because I'll feel really guilty that they're online. And then I feel like they won't think I'm working hard enough. Even if you are working at eight or nine o'clock at night, because maybe you started late because that's your work time just don't expect that of anyone else I guess as well and and you know maybe don't be so obvious about being online too you know just really um you have to think about your team and how they think about you because you are the influence you are the authoritative figure it's the same as like you know when you were in school and you had a teacher and your teacher did something you think it was okay if they did something that was potentially wrong so your teacher right you're going to listen to them um, you know, we, we do afternoon yoga um, and we discovered that like in lockdown 2.0, we had yoga all the time on a Tuesday evening. And then we discovered in lockdown 2.0 when it was getting dark and dreary outside that we needed to like really promote people getting away from their computers in the middle of the day. So then we put another yoga session in for Wednesdays at 12 o'clock, just a half an hour deep stretch, nothing crazy that you even need to like sweat through is just a really nice thing you could still like get back up get some lunch go back to your computer we also do this thing um well i did it i did it twice called lunchtime roulette um and it is it takes a lot of admin i think um we are going to be doing it again uh, um in it of uh, international women's day um but lunchtime roulette is um 
you know, basically putting a group of people together that never really worked together. You hide the guest list and then they join uh the the event and they don't know who they're having lunch with um and you know you put discussion cards on that as well so people can um which is what I didn't do in the last two and then I learned when I joined a few of them that people were struggling with conversations so um I will definitely be I think the next one definitely put some discussion cards together um and yeah I think like in summary ultimately making people aware of what burnout is what the signs and symptoms are and setting really strict rules in place that are coming from the top down. I seriously think uh, somebody should take out like a notepad on like <laughs> their plan for 2021 wellness. It's so, so inclusive. You know, it's obvious that you've like thought about every single person, what they would need, department, uh, even like, you know, based on personalities, you were definitely obvious uh, that at Streetbees, you're passionate about wellness. Um, and I, yeah, I just wanted to highlight how important it is to really make sure that people are aware of the symptoms of burnout. Because like you said, sometimes we get used to stress or we get used to that um, just like pressure. And so it takes somebody to tell, you know, that is not actually normal for you to realize perhaps there's something I need to do. And from there, perhaps people would be more inclined to take part in all the initiatives that you just mentioned. So that's awesome. Thank you for sharing. Um, and so I wanted to ask you, what do you see as the main obstacle preventing mental health from being openly discussed and addressed at the workplace? And perhaps if you have any tips to overcome this. Before we continue with the conversation, I wanted to let you know that registration for our digital panel event on how to re-energize the virtual employee experience is now open. You can head over to the link in the podcast description and save your place before it is too late. Our panelists include wellness warriors at two of the top-ranking social media and PR agencies in the UK, as well as our very own founder, Steph Newport-Booth. We'll be addressing all the questions you've been wanting to ask. How can we prevent mental health checkings from becoming exhaustive and intrusive? Zoom quizzes are not working. What are the alternatives? How much flexibility is too much flexibility? And what to do with virtual onboarding? If any of these questions sound familiar, and if you'd like to learn more about the employee experience approach of some of the most wellness-focused companies in the UK, then head over to the link in the podcast description and register for HICA's panel event on the 17th of March. Save your spot and learn everything about how to re-energize the virtual employee experience. Um, I think the main... The main obstacles, obviously, the at the moment, the remote work environment, I think prior to that, it was always an obstacle because of cultural um, uh, reasons, like culturally, um, you know, the UK are not UK people. And I'm including, um, you know, and, and, you know, I don't really know about the EU, but culturally, you people around the UK are not very good with opening up about their mental health. There's two things that really impact speaking about mental health um, in the business right now. One is obviously COVID and the remote work environment that we're currently in. Like you do not want to, um, you know, the remote work environment means that when you're having a meeting about something, there's a reason for that meeting. And I think a lot of people forget to just book in a, a tea. Um, and, you know, where you just talk about absolute nothingness, you talk about the weather, you talk about, and I think people are missing 
I always hated small talk and now I kind of miss it, <laughs> right? Like I miss talking about the weather going into the office. I miss talking about the horrible commute in because I was like sniffing someone's underarm because he was too close to me. Um, and, and, you know, the and I miss even talking about weird eccentric people that maybe I saw on the tube as well. Um, and interesting people that maybe I met that just started a random conversation with me, which is very bizarre in London, but it has happened to me. <laughs> um, and, you know, I think, you know, when it comes to um, small talk and then that small talk leading into nicer conversations that perhaps also lead into talking about mental health right now is really, really difficult. Um, and, you know, and I think the pandemic is also, you know, like making that more difficult um I think this there's some things um you know people can do and that is uh you know try to book in um you know a, a virtual tea or coffee with a colleague um where you put in a very strict rule not to talk about work you tell them beforehand we're not talking about work on this call um unless they've had a very bad day in which case let them rant I guess <laughs> um you know and and you know just to um promote informal conversations in the business as well and again this is something that needs to come from the top right it needs to there's a CEO I, I, I can't remember which company this is but there's a CEO of a company um in the U.S. that um for every person in the company they'll book in um, 15 minutes with them once a month and just have a chat with them, which I think is huge, right? Like, and I don't know how big this company is. Um, I'm assuming they can't continue that forever and ever and ever, but I think the thought process and the thought is there um, to promote people just taking 15 minutes away from, from work and, and you know, to, to focus on themselves. Yeah, wow. Again, such a great list. And I, I, I love the idea of making it official non-work talk. Um, actually, in one of our previous episodes, it, that's exactly what the person was sharing with me, a Slack channel, where it's basically illegal to talk about work. And oh. You go there and you just talk about, you know, whatever it is. You want like a spa night tonight, whatever it is, but not work. And I love that idea. Just it's about creating that designated space and time, right? And that way it just gives permission uh, for everybody to, to do that. Amazing. Um, and how do you think that companies can create an environment where colleagues are mutually supportive and look out for each other's wellness because I feel that we've spoken a lot about the importance of well the individual really um, focusing on prioritizing their wellness and also leaders and managers setting an example and encouraging uh, individuals to to really like yeah prioritize their wellness but there is definitely space for colleagues to support each other so what are your thoughts on that? So um, there's a few different things. So there's a few different things that you can do when you're when you're coming up with different strategies. Now, um, I very much took it all on myself when I first got into the role, and this was before the wonderful um, lady Savannah came into the company, um, and not because no one else in the business was for it. I think it's just because um, it was pre-pandemic time. Uh, well, it wasn't pre-COVID. COVID was here. It's just no one in the UK really knew. Um, and, you know, I did a um, time to talk day. Um, now, that was the first step. And I remember 
colleagues um, saying to me, oh, you know, and, and I put loads of things out everywhere. I put discussion cards everywhere and I, I didn't force it on anyone. I, I put I just put things around the office and I promoted Time to Talk Day. And I think it was the first time that Street Beats had really done anything when it come when it came to speaking about mental health. So it was a very new thing and you you need to thread lightly, <laughs> right? Um, and, you know, I remember two colleagues talking to me after and they were like, oh, you know, we just think that like mental health, don't really, you know, we, we were talking about it. And we don't really feel that comfortable talking about it. And I was like, but you were talking about it. And they were like, what do you mean? And I was like, you were talking about that you don't want to talk about it. And it was like a light bulb went on in their head. And that's all I wanted. And I think it's about setting yourself mini goals that something like even if colleagues are having a conversation about having a conversation, that's a very big step because that means you've done something right. And I was delighted to hear it. I think they were kind of confused. <laughs> but I think when it comes to mutually supporting um, everyone else, it's about um, doing things like what your company have done and what Streepies also have, developing a Slack channel that is nothing, to, if you have Slack, that is nothing to do with, um, with work. Um, there's also a Slack channel that um, Savannah recently made called Smile, <laughs> where she just puts up really nice quotes every day. Um, to make people smile. And maybe sometimes people will put really nice pictures of their animals. Like, and I know all of these things have definitely, definitely been done, but that is everyone automatically supporting each other. I think doing things like lunchtime roulette, where you give people conversation cards, that could be related to mental health. It will make everyone uncomfortable for a bit, but that's when you put someone in the room that is not uncomfortable speaking about it. So maybe you put a me in there and then I pick six other people that are very similar to, to, to this um, area and I put them into the, into the lunchtime roulette room as well. And it automatically develops this mutual support network. And I think as well, it also this, you know, to come back to my very first point at the beginning of this, um, that quiet hour coming from the CEO, that is again coming, from the top down and it's automatically making everyone mutually support each other because she also wrote in that email, please you know, take note of people that are in different countries, take note of people who are parents and you know, book your meetings accordingly. Uh, and you know, like I think there's definitely more that um, we as a company and that other companies can do in this, like something like what your lovely company is doing in the sense of giving everyone that time on a Wednesday afternoon to just have to themselves, um, you know, and then like maybe a few years down the line, make a four day work week instead of a five day, but maybe we're, we're being ambitious there. <laughs> yeah, no, that sounds awesome. Like you said, perhaps it's about those um, just touch points throughout everybody's week that remind them that you know the company is making an effort for their wellness and you know part of it is just looking out for each other's wellness uh, taking part in all the activities like you said and even just that conversation already kind of makes them more prone to you know perhaps if I see somebody's not having their lunch then I'll say something um, but yeah no that sounds amazing thank you and simply to close um, I wanted to know what your thoughts are in relation to the employee experience and workplace culture what do you think are some of the main challenges facing street Beast and perhaps other companies in your industry for 2021? I think the main challenge that we'll face not just street bees but but pretty much every 
company, particularly fast growing startups is, is, um, you know, the, what's probably going to be turning into the hybrid working culture as opposed to the fully remote. I think the biggest challenges when it comes to um, people experience or the biggest challenge in my opinion would be re-onboarding people into coming back into the office and socializing with everyone. Um, I think that a strategy needs to be put in place for like quite literally re-onboarding people, um, you know, what that looks like different and, and, you know, do it in a scattered phase. I don't think, you know, saying to a hundred people, okay, everyone, office is open tomorrow, come right back in. I think we need to mentally prepare people to be around other humans again. And that's when, um, you know, workshops need to come into place. I would say, you know, when you kind of have an idea of when you're going to open your office, whether that be in 2022 or the winter of 2021, obviously I think, you know, personally, the sooner the better. Um, I am I am very conscious of COVID and I'm very conservative about it. But at the same time, I'm a very extroverted person and not being around people is, is kind of killing me. <laughs> but also it's um it's actually giving me some social anxiety and and that's real. And I think, you know, I remember I went to uh went to the bottom of the hill one day and there was too many people. I walked back up and you know it, it and I'm not um I don't I I have generalized anxiety, but I don't suffer from social anxiety. And that kind of scared me a bit. I was like, what am I going to be like going back into the office with the group of people? Um and I think that it's really important to have some workshops maybe two months prior to going back into the office where you focus on how everyone's feeling, how everyone's feeling about going back. You do a scattered return of maybe only people who are in the same team for a bit, just so they can get used to working face to face with each other again, like in a physical form, but that you also open the office back for people who do live alone and have, um, you know, need that for mental health purpose. Um, and then I think I don't think it's too far to say that we'll ultimately be dealing with a workforce that will likely be suffering from some PTSD, um, you know, that are going to go from uh, going through trauma from the pandemic. Um, you know, they're going to be stressed. They might have lost loved ones. They they might have, um, you know, they might have gotten a job in in that company recently because maybe they were redundant for six months. You just don't know. And it's about making a really firm strategic plan for returning back to the office. Um, and, you know, I learned that the kind of difficult way when we went back in and after the first lockdown, because we did open our office very quickly. With that being said, it was open in the in the way that anyone could come in. You didn't have to come in. It was your choice. We opened it purely for mental health reasons. People who really wanted to be around some colleagues and, and just wanted to bounce around ideas and be creative um, because you're more creative when you have the energy of other people around you. Um, but, uh, you know, I did learn the hard way. Some people really struggled coming in. They, they were a bit like, oh, I mean, this is a kind of unreal. And we had one day where it was sign up only and it was reduced capacity, but we had one day where it was, um, the office could comfortably fit 30 people. I put it at like 50% capacity because COVID wasn't that bad at the time. And 15 people came in one day and it, it felt like it was, 
you know, the busiest place it had ever been, um, you know, and, and people weren't used to being around that many people. One person actually went home early. He was like, I'm going to, I'm going to go home. I, it's, it's a bit too much, too much energy <laughs> in one day for me. Um, so I think developing an onboarding plan is, is definitely um, challenge one. And I honestly think the main challenge to focus on when you're going back to the office, everything else will fall into place. Um, but I genuinely think, and also having, um, you know, perhaps, a, a you know, maybe partnering with, with a company, like there's, there's great companies that are popping up everywhere. There's a company called Sanctus, which will, you know, send a qualified counselor to the office where you can have one-to-one sessions. And, uh, you know, there's, there's, there's a lot of companies that are like that right now that, um, like we unfortunately haven't worked with Sanctus so far, but I don't see um, any reason why, you know, something like that could not be put in place, at least for the first few months when people are returning back to work in the office. Yes. Well, like you said, it's going to be a process and people are just going to have to respect that everybody is at a different stage. We don't know what went on in their lives throughout the pandemic. So it's going to be very much of, you know, treading carefully, making sure nobody that is too sensitive may be affected. It's the time for inclusive initiatives to like be at their best. Um, But I also think um, it's, it's a good opportunity. Like you said, if people are going in bit by bit, it's a great opportunity for leaders to build their culture from scratch, their wellness focused culture. Because if everybody's coming in and learning about, you know, the importance of um, making sure like other people are okay, making sure we respect each other's space, their needs, that's just going to be like make everybody more sensitive to that and alert to the fact that other people are experiencing different things to what they are. And perhaps, you know, it's an opportunity to just make the workplace a better place in general. So yeah, I I loved all your ideas. Thank you so much for sharing that. And thank you so much for your time today. You've been incredibly generous with your time and the things you're sharing uh, about street bees, about your passion with wellness. We're really thankful for that. And thank you for being in the show today. Thank you so much for having me interview was amazing. I loved absolutely everything Donna shared and I hope that you also got a few useful ideas to put into place right now. Like always, I'll share the three things that stood out for me. First, Streetbees introduced a designated quiet hour to encourage people to take a step back and focus on their well-being during the working day. Importantly, other team members were made aware of each other's quiet hour and thus respected their colleagues' time off. I also love how Street Bees ensures inclusivity when introducing new well-being initiatives through culture champions and culture keepers. They help with the generation of ideas and gathering feedback from the entire company. And finally, I fully support the idea of creating a plan in preparation for the return to the office. Once restrictions are lifted, it is possible that we'll need to support a workforce suffering from trauma, grief, and anxiety as a result of COVID-19, and we need to be ready for it. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. If you loved it, make sure you subscribe to this podcast, share it with your friends, and stay tuned for more insights and stories from wellness warriors at work.